This podcast is brought to you by the Business Habitat, a 12-month development program for expert business leaders looking to escape the hamster wheel and grow their businesses to scale. So here's the question. In our expert professional services businesses, where the rules were written last century and the world keeps changing around us, how do we as experts who have spent years, sometimes decades, getting our technical skills to the ultimate level, but proportionally little time learning the ones required to grow our businesses based on our own terms, rewrite these rules for ourselves? I'm Sam Dean, and this podcast, Business Habitat, explores the answers to these questions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to number four of the podcast. I'm absolutely pumped that we're on four. Today, I thought I would actually run through a presentation that I've done a couple of times, but just recently at the National IPA Congress in the absolute gorgeous Adelaide. And the reason why I want to do that today, because my podcast is actually called uh, Conversations with Sam Dean. I wanted to just do a little bit of theory and a bit of framework around um, conversation and, and get clear on what conversation actually means and then sort of look through a couple of conversations types that we actually come through day to day, which has sort of popped up in the last couple of podcasts and then maybe give you some basic practical tips on how to frame and prepare for the two types of conversations that we're going to work through, which are value conversations and difficult feedback. So I'll start off, as I said, getting clear on conversation. And I think that we are, I always like to drill down on the meaning of words and what they mean to me when I'm framing them in a conversation. And as I said, because it's a key element of this podcast, I thought it would be a great time to get a little bit clearer and, and do a little bit of theory on it. First of all, a conversation is a relationship and it's a relationship obviously with the person that you're talking and there's two elements of a conversation. There's talking and then there's listening. So these are both parts of it. I think early on in my career and early on in my life, a lot of my friends will tell you that I was very good at the talking side but perhaps needed to learn a little bit on the listening and I'll go into listening a little bit later on. Also, relationships are built one conversation at a time and you are either building, destroying or flatlining relationships with both your staff and clients and other stakeholders in your life with conversations. Conversations also allow us, um, particularly with our clients and our staff and quite often with our children as well if you have them, to connect before we actually correct and I think that this is in our expert areas sometimes that we have to work quite a lot on in our conversations. A lot of the advice that we give are more corrections to people. So we need to actually take time in conversations to quickly connect before we correct. And conversations lead to successful relationships with our clients. And it's really actually understanding our clients and our core needs. So today I'm going to drill down on two types of uh, value conversations and difficult feedback conversations. And these are two areas that I found difficult early on and I know that when I have conversations with accountants and other professional finance experts, these are two interesting areas of conversation that we may struggle with. So what are we going to cover off? We're going to work around um, what is a conversation which I and why it's actually important, why we actually find conversation hard. So drill down on some of the reasons behind that. 
we're going to then get ready and work through better value conversations with our clients and work through some framework on that. Then we're going to work through some basic uh, feedback and the difficult conversations around feedback. Finally, we're going to go through some practical tips on how to actually frame and prepare for the conversations that we discussed earlier on. Now, there's going to be some supporting PDF and documentations on our website. So blueprinthq.com.au slash podcast. That will give you a couple of supporting documents if you want to get ready for conversations based on some of the stuff that we've discussed today. So why do we actually find conversations so hard? I think there's two aspects to this, um, and it certainly affected me. One is our mindset, and I touched on that in the first podcast, and I drill down on certain aspects, so the expert versus the advisory mindset. And another one has a lot to do with our training and how we're actually developed through our accounting experiences. From a training perspective, we are very much, particularly people who might be in their sort of over 40, even early 35s, our first years of our career based on production and, you know, get in, get the work done, process the work. And there's not a lot of conversation to be had. So we're kind of stuck in the corner a little bit and it suits us down to the ground. We're learning the processes. We're not going out a lot. We're not conversing with the clients particularly much. Um, you've got to get that, that high productivity. So six and a half hours or whatever that is a day. So we're not even really engaging you know a lot in conversation outside the social aspect even with our peers so we're not really developing our conversation skills sort of straight out of university and you know when we do start talking to clients it's kind of a little bit scary and it's very much on that reactive way of hey you know I've got um, we're trying to get your interview finished you've got some queries so the sort of kind of one-sided talking as opposed to, you know, the listening aspect of what I was talking before. I think, too, also the training that we do get around this is very much one done and it's perhaps then delivered in a way of this is what you should be doing, not really how you can actually frame the conversations, particularly around what you do every day. Then we sort of drill down even pre-work into the universities and there's not much conversation or soft skill training, if you like to call it, around how do you actually develop conversations, particularly around the expert and the more technical aspects on how you actually, as we said before, how you actually connect with what's happening. So I think that's a couple of reasons around our training. And frankly, you know, up until recently, conversation hasn't been the big part of what we do. 85% of our work is compliance-driven work um, if you're a tax accountant. Um, and if you're in other experts, it's about giving advice in a, in a very set framework. So we haven't had to then explore conversations with our clients around what's important and then, you know, giving structured feedback, etc. So the other aspect which I mentioned, of course, is mindset. And I would like to just drill back down onto and give a little bit more theory around the advisory mindset because there's a few aspects of that, particularly around curiosity um, and learning and pursuing knowledge with clients and collaborating and relationship building, which is so important in those aspects. And that all really needs a lot of conversation around connection and being curious and finding out what your clients want um, and then really trying to connect back to what you actually do or what your network can actually do. When we look at it from an expert mindset and it's all around, you know, 
reacting to something our clients have said and we tell answers so we hear the problem and we tend to jump straight to providing and sort of goes to that one aspect of talking and we're then focusing a lot of that the conversation and the relation and, and building the relationships only around a transactional level and we also then feel very uncomfortable particularly in conversations that aren't prepared around approaching problems that we not, might not be able to solve so that's where our mindset and our training sort of don't set us up for successful conversations straight up. So it's then how do we actually start to handle some of the difficult conversations in a safe and constructive way going forward? Well, the first thing we need to do is remember to listen. So we really need to try not to interrupt, rush the other person. Think ahead while others are talking, including coming up with your response before the other person's has finished making their points. And this is a big deal, um, particularly in the expert mindset. We've got to let our clients talk and our staff talk and allow them the opportunity to actually finish. Finishing other people's sentences for you and then, of course, the one that's very apparent from a listening point of view, multitasking while others are reporting, you know, checking emails when, or being on your phone, you know, don't, or even having your phone near you with notifications, have all of them off. It's um, very disconcerting and it, it does normally mean that you're not listening. So listening is a big a power play, obviously, in the conversation piece. So the type of conversations or difficult conversations I like to drill down now is the value conversations with the clients. So we're very challenged about how we actually connect with what's important to the client and how we connect to with what we do. And these sort of questions that you're kind of answering in a bit of a reactive way, but how we're going to work through how to actually frame them up is, you know, we're hearing things like, um, you know, my client doesn't want to pay for extra services. My client doesn't seem to value what I do. And how can I have, even, you know, even when clients aren't talking about us, you know, how, how those conversations around, how can I have tax to pay when I don't have any money? The solution to this, and to, to put this in a, in a safe and constructive way, is to actually put a process in to frame the conversations. We're very process-driven people. So to actually step through a habit, if you like, of actually framing the conversation. So we need to kind of assess where our clients act, investigate a little bit more about what they actually want, and then actually put our delivery based on those two first steps. And then we basically rinse and repeat. And this is a very much an advisory process, if you like, but it's also a conversation process. And I'll show you how to, um, we'll step through each of one of these ones now. So the first stage, and this is a, a bit of an assessment. So we need to find out what they want, um, particularly around the conversation, as opposed to telling them what they need at this point in the, in the purpose of the assessment stage. So for the client, it's about starting the conversation and the benefit they get in to create the space for them to start thinking about what's important to them in their personal aspects or their goals. And then they might be able to ask, answer some questions in it and then identify what's important for us. For us in this stage, we're creating a little bit of space to drill down in what's important to our clients. So we can start a different conversation and start to reframe what you do with what's important to the client. We're also, also trying always to obviously in this stage reframe how they think of our advice and then we want to move them more into that investigate where we, if necessary, where we provide more space to explore. So the 
The thing about assessment questions is they really need to be non-technical, don't use any kind of product terms. They need to establish gaps between what they want and where they are actually now, and they need to be aspirational and challenging. So the example we're going to work through on this stage is one that I think is quite a classic one. I'm hearing this happening all the time, particularly as we're going, you know, a lot of our clients are using more digitalization, and it's where they won't pay for those extra services. So um, particularly with STP, come, you know, have come in, and the example we're going to work through is like messy bookkeeping files is causing blowouts or end of year or people might not want to adapt to the cloud. So how can we approach this question? So some questions that you might ask rather than, hey, you've got a messy file, you need to go to our bookkeeping so they can clean it up, is rather than having that, we need to link back what we're trying to suggest that they need back to what's important to them. So we need to have a question around this. So we need to actually explore it. So some of the questions in relation to the messy bookkeeping files could be, you know, is it important to you that you can rely on your numbers? Is it important to you that you spend some time on what you enjoy? Is it important to you that your time's valued? Is it important that you don't get frustrating or annoying course from us? So you wouldn't ask all these questions. You might pick one question or two questions. So they're more going into aspirational feeling style of questions rather than, you know, you need to get your bookkeeping done. I mean, for us, it's fairly important that they get, get the data cleaned up and they get onto digital. For us to get efficient, that needs to happen. Then the next stage in this, after how they're going with it and see if there's a gap. And then if they don't think that is, then say, explain it to me. Why do you feel like that, etc. So when we tend to work through this with clients, you'll find that they really almost don't enjoy doing their bookkeeping. Um, there might be reasons they think it's going to be too expensive. And then we might be asked, you know, in your job, how much you know, does it cost you an hour to do it? Or you know, do you value spending more time with your kids or do you get frustrated around this? So they're very emotional questions that we can link it to. And then the engagement question from that, so linking the assessment into investigators, if we could help you with that, would you want to know about it? And an example of the next stage to investigate in a conversation piece would be, hey, why don't we sit down for an hour uh, where we can review your current state of your files, where we want it to be, and then drill down on the needs of fixing it up and alleviating any concerns you have. Then we can set some actions. So at this stage, the hour meeting is charged and you would set an expectation of price. You might say we've got to investigate a data cleanup program, whatever you want to call it, and, you know, it, it takes about an hour. It costs three or $400. So you would list that in too. So you've set up expectations right up the front. They can make a value decision and then they can feel safe around that. As long as you've established the feelings and what they actually would expect from that point of view. And then obviously the actions should then deliver that to the deliver part of the conversation piece. So that's really how we work to reframe the conversation with our clients. Okay, let's talk about giving and receiving feedback. It can be an extremely difficult conversation. No one actually likes receiving feedback unless it's great feedback, of course, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. And, you know, a lot of us, and, and myself included, are particularly uncomfortable actually about giving feedback as well. So that's why it's really important to put a lot of framework around it and practice it. Before you give any feedback, you've really got to sit and say, am I actually ready 
to give feedback? Am I ready to sit in front uh, beside that person and actually put the problems in front of us? Am I ready to listen and actually understand the problems completely and also really find people accountable without any shaming or blaming and actually owning up to any part that you might have in what you're discussing? And it's really important that in any type of feedback that you give, that you generally thank the people for the efforts that they actually are making rather than just criticising their failings. So how do we get prepared for feedback? Well, the first thing you need to do is ask yourself, what is the main point I want to address? So before you get ready for any meeting, make sure that you're very clear in your head, what am I, what is the main point I want to address? Then the next step is to think about why you want to address it. So why is it that you want to address it? And not just because it annoys you. So that's a super important thing to do. Then also focus on the good. So have something positive to say and note what they're doing really well from a feedback point of view and feedback as close to the behavior as you can. You have to provide feedback as soon as possible. And then the only one is, is ideally only give feedback on behavior that you say, not a third party if you can avoid it. Then establish what is the change that you actually want to see and then suggestions that you might be able to give if required. So these are the steps to prepare and I'll just quickly run through them again. So one, ask yourself, what's the main point I want to address? Be very clear on that. Think about why you want to address it and what's the benefits of having this addressed. Focus on something good as well, particularly do the good stuff at the end of the meeting. People always remember what's at the end. Feedback close to the behavior. So it's something that you've seen recently, which is also only feedback on what's visible to you and not a down third party. Establish what the changes that you want to see and what would actually change if that behavior has been improved and what you can suggest. So there are all the things you need to actually get ready for the meeting. And then when you're giving feedback, work through these things. So ask permission to give feedback. Is it okay if I give you some feedback on, would be an example of a question then, and create the space and the time to do it. Do you have 15 minutes or can I catch up later? So I've got a rule in my life that if someone comes up to me and says, have you got two minutes or something like that, the answer is always no, because nothing takes two minutes and it also always leads into something that would probably need to be discussed and have a conversation about later. Then the next thing is once you have the time, get to the point straight away. So go back to the first one and say, what's the behavior I want to address and why I need to address it and be super clear on it. So if you're feeding back on something, hey, in the meeting you seemed angry, it's okay to be angry, but it is not okay to storm out of the meeting. So you need to be very clear on what the actual behavior is and what the actual problem is and it needs to be around the behavior, not necessarily, you know, around the emotion. Make sure when you're giving the feedback that you're on the same page. So get them to feedback and repeat back to you that they understand what the issues are and don't go forward until this is articulated. So I need to circle back to that. Can you repeat back, you know, what it is that I'm saying? Because quite often what we say and what we think we're saying, what people hear is very different. So it's always important in a feedback loop to say, hey, 
make sure that we're on the same page. Can you just repeat back to me what was said? Once that's established, get their thought backs and feedback. And this is where the listening comes in, super thing. Then listen to what the feedback is from them as to what their thoughts are. Then suggest the different approach and check back in if required. And always, always, always remember when you're giving feedback, be kind. Because this is really uncomfortable for both people involved and you can't really go wrong with being kind. You're going to make mistakes when you feedback. No matter how much training and how much preparation you get, you know, sometimes it's not going to go great. But if you can just be kind about the feedback and approach it in a kind manner, usually things won't go wrong. So the next aspect of feedback is obviously, of course, receiving feedback. So these are some tips and tricks of when you're actually receiving feedback. So when that client rings you and says, I've got an issue with the feed, fee, and these are the reasons why, the first thing you need to do is breathe and be open to it. So just take a breath, listen to what's going on, and then be open to the feedback. You will physically feel your sort of armor going up, if you like, which, of course, it is. No one really wants to take phone calls like that. But if you're open to it, it's always an opportunity for exploration. Then when you're actually receiving feedback and someone hasn't used the structure that we talked about earlier and giving feedback, create the space it's needed. So schedule another time to discuss it. So use wording around, thank you for your feedback. I really wasn't expecting that. Is it okay if we meet tomorrow at 10 o'clock? I would just like some time to process that. I'm not really sure where I'm at with that. And then if you're feeling safe and you're feeling in that space, actually listen to what people are saying and allow them to finish. Don't jump in on this. Don't jump in, oh, but, or that happened, or etc. Let people finish the conversation so you can really check into what they're talking about. The next one, obviously, is actually check-in. So, okay, what I heard from that, uh, using the previous example, is that it's not okay. You're okay with me being angry, but it wasn't okay to, to, to leave the room like I did. So that means that if you're receiving feedback, use the same technique, circle back to say you're very clear on what they're actually feeding back to you. Don't just sort of throw up your hands and go, yeah, I get it, because, you know, you might not have received it. Then clarify any suggestions that are received and what they would look like and what the success would be look like based on feedback that you've received. So if you actually then feel unjustified in the feedback, you do need to take a breath and feed that back. Say, okay, I heard what you said. This is what you said using the techniques that we just outlined. However, I don't feel that that's justified for those various reasons. Now, if you feel unjustified and you're feeling uncomfortable, again, if it's too hard, ask for the space. Thanks for that feedback. I really can I get back to you. And again, same as before, be kind. Remember, giving feedback is just as uncomfortable sometimes. And there are really, most people giving feedback are only trying to help. So some practical tips on how to actually prepare and deliver this. Because I think that a lot of the time we don't prepare for either value conversations or feedback conversations or most conversations. And as going right back to the um, beginning of what we discussed in this podcast, is that conversations is very important and relationships are made and broken on conversation. So there's, you've really got to learn and get into the habit for preparing for conversations. So if you're going to go into a conversation, no matter what that conversation is, prepare a mini agenda and write it down. So ask yourself, 
what is my intention going into this conversation? What do I actually want to get over it? So that's the self thing. What is the problem that I'm trying to solve? Why am I having this conversation and what would success look like? So that's then setting your expectations for the conversations. How can I ask permission to actually have this conversation? And how can I connect with the person quickly before I correct? Remember, one of the main aspects of feedback is to do it very quickly. And how could I bring some fresh ideas and perspectives and then actually rehearse? It's actually imperative that you actually write this down and you have a little bit of a mini agenda on the side. And if you think that's kind of weird, ask permission when you're talking, sitting down with someone. So you might be sitting down with a staff member that you have to give a review to or you're having a feedback conversation and you can say, hey, the intention of this conversation is to review your workflow in the last month. We're a little concerned around it. Setting the expectation, why am I having this conversation so I can help uh, this person you know, go forward and, and help with her workplace and what success would look like is that she agrees to some actions that we might look at. So, you know, you're always concentrating, you're being very specific and you understand the outcome of that conversation. So then some tips actually during the meeting or the conversation is to set expectations, to breathe and to count to three before talking. Can I check in with statements like, can I check in with that, what I said, the story I heard you say is, and also always check back and check back and check back because it's very important to get very clear on that. And also remember to be kind. Any conversations is all about being kind. And lastly, a couple of tips to finish off on is that any kind of conversation that you're having, discomfort only lasts about eight seconds. The consequent of sometimes of not having conversation can last a lot longer and cause different results. So always remember, be kind, continue the conversation, and I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for your time today. We work super hard on bridging the gap between our expertise and our CEO skills to create more money and time in your everyday to create change. If this sounds like something that you would like to have a further conversation with, jump on blueprinthq.com.au and book a free consultation so we can continue the conversation. As always, be brave.